0: Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 52 of the Talking Football Podcast. My name is Derek Clark, and every week we try and bring you a top-class interview with some of the biggest characters in the game. Last week's episode with Bert Payton was really well received. Thank you all for taking the time to download and listen. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting to a former St Mirren legend, a French goalkeeper who's made Scotland his home. It is, of course, Ludovic Roy. Ludo's story in the game is really interesting. He was part of a young French side featuring the likes of Thierry Henry, Nicolas Anelka and David Trezeguet that won the under-19 European Championships. He then moved to Paisley where he became a fan's favourite at the Buddies before spells at other Scottish clubs. He also talks about his new venture as a personal trainer. As ever, it's another interview packed with great stories. So sit back and enjoy the latest episodes of the Talking Football podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Talking Football Podcast I'm delighted to say we're joined on this episode by a former St Mirren legend now businessman and personal trainer Ludovic Roy Ludo, thank you very much for joining us Hi Derek, you're very welcome Um, Great career in the game Ludo. but before we look back at your career in football um, of course the coronavirus is affecting us all at the moment in terms of yourself and your business you have just now is it affecting you?
1: Uh, yes it has uh affecting us very mildly uh actually because it allowed us to to work uh online with our clients or develop another side of our business which which in in long term will be beneficial but uh it it does add a bit of strain in terms of uh mentally in you know, order to to support everybody every people we're working with but also on a business. Point of view, uh, working with businesses, I think that's obviously slowed down, you know, uh, but we try to help them as much as we can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it, hopefully it won't be too long before we're out the other end of it. Um, in terms of the career then, uh, Ludo, uh, born in Turin in 1977. Growing up uh, as, as a young boy, were you, were you always playing football?
1: Yes, I was uh, I was always playing football. I had the family where my my. I've got an older brother who used to play football, and he used to drag me everywhere. Uh, I used to be his victim, you know. <laughs> so he, used to, he used to practice with me, and uh, that was uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, that was very really nice. So football was a big part of of us growing up, uh, growing up in
0: France. Yeah, um, did you did you always want to be a goalkeeper?
1: No, it was just really a, a coincidence, you know. From uh, possibly the first first couple of years, I played you know, in a in a club, in my local club. And just one game, you know, one game the goalkeeper wasn't here. They asked who wants to be in goal. So once one player puts their hands up, everybody put their hands up. So they picked me. And uh, mm-hmm. I can remember some of those saves I made that day, you know. Uh, and, and I was uh, playing for my small club Saint siar loire And I, I made some nice saves, you know, and everybody was quite impressed. I think more impressed because it was just my first game, my first trial in goals. And then uh, from then on I stayed in the goals.
0: Yeah. How old how old were you when when that was? I, I I would have been seven years old. Seven, wow. And did seven years old, yeah. D- did you have any sort of goalkeepers that you looked up to that you, you wanted to be like?
1: Yeah, I think I developed uh yeah, no longer after after that. There was one goalkeeper prep for Cameroon. And, he, and played for Marseille and Bordeaux at the time and his name was uh, Joseph Antoine Bell yeah so he was a very prominent goalkeeper in France at the time you know and after him there was uh, Bernard Lama oh
2: yeah he was great gonna...
1: uh, yeah played for Paris Saint-Germain played for France played for West Ham uh, just briefly for West Ham sorry and then obviously Fabien Barthez who uh, at yeah. the three goalkeepers where we, you look up to you know
0: yeah, they were they were fantastic goalkeepers. Uh, Ludo, um, you, you spent time. It was at, you, you were at Stad Ren for for a little bit. Is that right? Yeah. So I was very
1: fortunate from a very young age. I, I got uh, scouted by a lot of clubs, and the first club who scouted uh, scouted us was uh, Ajaccio, yeah. uh, the the famous club uh, in the nineties of uh yeah. Sometime, And the and called home. I will, I will always remember that call uh, in the house, the cold home, and that brought a lot of excitement in the house. But my parents always were, were very wary of, of football mm-hmm. and the domain of football, the pressure around football. So they were very they were, they were really wary and they wanted to protect me. So they sent me to Chateauroux at the age of 14 years old. Uh, Chateauroux was a club in the second league in France at the time. And they thought it was close to home, it was an hour away from home, they thought it was safe, but I did very well, I excelled at Chateau, and that's why I started to play with France, and then I moved on to Rennes, after that I spent four and a half years in in Rennes, uh, uh, after that for... so that's what it
0: was, yeah, Stavrini. Stavrini was a fantastic club, Yeah, uh, amazing club. Yeah, definitely. Club. Yeah, you said that you played for, for France in the, the, um, growing up as a young boy. What what, what was that like as, as a youngster representing your country at such a, a young age? Could you take it all in? Was it? I guess it's quite proud for you and for your family.
1: Yeah, there was, there was a quite a proud moment. That was in, in October, I think it was. Uh, again and again, I've got a vivid image of when I've been announced that I was going to be playing for the French team. You know, so you get excitement. First thing you do, you jump on the phone, mm-hmm. you call home, and then everybody's very proud of you. But you're... It's hard to take everything in. Yeah, You don't fully realise what, what's happening. You know you're going to play for France, so you just delighted it because you're going to get the... The, the top, the tracksuit, everything, and then <laughs> the other the, the new trainers, and then... But that's all, you know, it's just like playing with your mate, you know, just think, just remembering that... When I was playing for Saint-René, we were playing at the highest level at, within our age category. Yeah. Uh, and there was already some fantastic players. We were playing with at the time, so going to play for France was just the, the cherry on top of the cake, really. Uh, there, there was... That really was a new experience.
0: Yeah. that was amazing. Yeah, I was reading some of the players that you played You played with. I mean, the likes of Michael Sylvester is a good friend of yours, of course. Uh, uh, Thierry Henry, Nicholas Anelka, uh, William Gallas and all that sort of stuff. What, what were these guys like uh, to, to, to play alongside and to train with?
1: Great. I mean, um, ba- back then, we were just a bunch of friends uh, just playing together. And, and that core of players uh Mick Silvest just came joined us I think a year two years after after so possibly under 16 I think it was. Yeah. So they came on it came on a bit later on. Uh, but Titi Henry was uh was there from day one. I think that was the only one who was there from day one, that was a big, big one, you know, and then uh, David Trezini came in about under 18, Williams came uh William came actually William was possibly was one of the early ones as well, mm-hmm. so it was all fun. We're just laughing all the time, but on the pitch, it was already very demanding yeah. because we were, we had uh, Titi at the time was at Monaco, uh, William was at Caen, uh, Nicolas N'Kah was at PSG, I was at Rennes, uh, Mick, was, he was with me at Rennes. Uh, there was other players playing for Auxerre. There was players for, player for Nantes. So and, and we were all knocking at the door at the first reserve team and at the stages but they are very quickly looking at the goals of the first team They're making the first appearance in the first division. So the demand on the pitch was really, really high. The tempo was was really high. And then it just was really, really relaxed when we go out uh, out with the pitch. It was just about laughing and camar- camaraderie, you know? Yes. Yeah. Very, 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 very friendly yeah Very good.
0: Yeah, and of course you are you're part of the the side that won the uh, the under-19s European Championships in 96 yep. uh, a great achievement uh, Ludo, What what's your memories of, of that tournament?
1: Uh, mixed it, it was really mixed uh, because we were from the under-15 to the under-18 the same group same core of players So we knew each other very very well uh, we had a great desire France didn't uh, I don't want anything since 1986 for 10 years at mm-hmm. all levels France failed to win everything anything we had Gérard uh, Roulier was a manager. Yeah. So Jean Roulier came on the back of uh, the big disappointment in France missing the World Cup in 1990, I think in the, 1994. Sorry, in a in a USA. Yeah. So the the, the famous game in France uh, France against Bulgaria, and the last game yeah. of uh, Kostadinov. So that was uh, that was a big thing being involved into that champion, European Championship and being into that squad, and. The build-up was fantastic. I mean, we spent, I think, two weeks up in a, in, in a mountain, in a Jura in France. And, and that really made us stick all guys, really together. We had David Prezegui was not talking very good French at the time because he, was, he had just joined us, mm-hmm. uh, just coming from Argentina. We had uh, Nico, Nicola Nelka. Uh, that team was coming up, but Nicola Nelka was younger, was a year younger, so he was a little bit quieter. Mm-hmm. So that allowed those guys to actually come into the team and, staying part of the team you know so, so we had a great great time So and then we arrived in Besançon where the tournament was held. and I think the day before the first tournament I broke my finger <laughs> so I watched many that, the guys playing you know where I, whether I should have been playing so I watched more from the outside uh, so that was the most frustrating part of it but that was a fantastic experience I mean absolutely amazing experience the way we've been treated and the way we've been playing uh, the demand and from that I think the and also the French has kicked on from that because yeah. between 1986 and 1996, the work has been put into French clubs in terms of youth development has been absolutely incredible. And I think that was just the, the outcome of, of those 10 years of uh, technical investment into youth that France have been doing. And then after that, years after years, France has developed some fantastic uh, uh, generation of players, uh, absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah, so yeah, it was a golden golden time. That that's for sure. Um, when when you, of course, you've named all those those great players that you played with, uh, Ludo. In terms of your frustration at, at breaking your finger there, do you do you sometimes look back and think if if you'd never done that, you could have, um, your career may have went a different path. No,
1: no, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. It's just um, look, th- those guys by by then, you know, um. Most of those guys were playing in the top, the top league. Yeah, they were already playing top league. I, I was a goalkeeper. I was younger, uh, no younger, but I was a goalkeeper. So goalkeeper it takes longer before you you start to to go into the, the the first team. Yeah. So I was working at the first team also uh, in in France. Uh, we had a great. Uh, we had a great setup in Rennes You know, they were looking after after us very, very well in Rennes and to, for, for in terms of progression, in terms of education you know, uh, and growth. That was that was great. But I was very impatient.
2: Yeah.
1: I really want to be playing. You know, and and then then I had the opportunity to go back to to Châteauroux. Uh, so I, I took that. It's just about choices, really. You know.
0: Yeah. If uh, you. Might... Few... Yeah. Carry on.
1: If, if if you look at uh, the other goalkeepers who were with us, so there was Sebastian Chabert who was with us, and he had he had a decent career. He played for Lens, he played for Cannes, he played for in France, he played for Monaco. Also, yeah. he had a, he had a decent career. Uh, and then, but Thibaut Maca, who came and, as a substitute, he came when I broke my finger. He came and joined the group after that. And Thibaut, no other career at all afterwards. Yeah so i it, it, it just for football it is, you know, you you grab the opportunity to want the court. But I don't yeah. think breaking the fingers on not made, made a difference to the, and uh that level
0: now. Yeah. Uh, good and you mentioned Gerard Hullier of course. What what was he like a, a, as a coach back then?
1: Well he treated us like adults. Yeah. That was the first uh, first time we had a coach to do that like to do like adults. So the the his assistant manager was um Christopher and Constant Damiano was our manager, uh, our, our first our manager. Before that, in the, in the previous years, and then when Jean-Louis came, he became a, uh, assistant manager. Constant Damiano went on to be manager and assistant manager at Fulham. Yeah. So Constant Damiano used to treat us like young players, and all of a sudden, boom! Hmm. You have Jean-Louis who comes in where he doesn't talk much with us. It was really, really demanding. It was just about performance, you know. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was brilliant. Yeah. That was root. That was, that was, that was, that was for, for a young player at 17, 18, this, this youth that started to discover what it was like to play for a top manager, for a top club, top nation. Uh, that it was just about performance. And even when uh, at the the story when we went before the European Championship, we went to play a tournament in Portugal. Yeah, we had the best player, Thierry Henry, best goal scorer, Trézeguet, and best goalkeeper, myself. Mm-hmm. We won the tournament, We've got, we, we got we got we got other trophies with the French team, and and last at the airport, you know, and Jean-Louis is here and asking us, say, look, uh, we uh. Ask for Trenor's trophy, Trenor's trophy, and my trophy, but very briefly, you know. And he was still, he was still annoyed with me because during the final, we won the final, I think, 3 2, and one of the goals I could have done a bit better. Um, and he was annoyed with me, and I remember half time he gave me kind of a hairdryer treatment, <laughs> you know, and it was really, really demanding, you know, and it was still a bit bitter with it in, in in at the airport the next day, you know, but wow. this was a demand. That was a demand at the time. We are young players, but that didn't matter how old you were, what position you were playing, or what. it just wanted you to perform yeah. at the best. And that was, a, you know, and that, that was stuck with me. Uh, that that uh, that moment, you know,
0: yeah.
1: it, it was a big big learning curve.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can certainly imagine. Um, of course, you came to Scotland in, in 1998, and you joined Saint Mirren. Um, qu- quite a strange move for for, for a Frenchman to, to to come to Scotland and, and join Saint Mirren back then. But how did that that um, transfer come about, Ludo?
1: Uh, so as I say, as I say earlier, you know, I was really impatient because of the of the guys I was playing with, and they were playing every Saturday night. I would watch them on, on TV playing. Yeah. And I was impatient, and I wanted to be playing, and. And made a comeback after Rennes, I left. I spent one million in Châteauroux because Châteauroux had managed to to get promoted to the top league. Uh, I thought I would have a chance playing in the top league in Châteauroux. I didn't. You know, uh, I, 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 I was I was unused a, a substitute uh, for the most part of the season.
2: Yeah.
1: So my agent at the time was Pat We passed, who sadly passed away uh, yeah. from the coronavirus uh, last month. Yeah and Papa said to me so look it's, always a, it's very difficult as a goalkeeper but he said look there's maybe opportunity to go and play in Scotland so uh, you can go over there and play a little bit and, and 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 see what's happening next you know so so I was like yeah let's go for it um, I remember meeting Papa in in, in Paris you know I, I drove up to Paris and we sat at the hotel in the hotel and I was like look let's go and, uh, and look what's, what's, what's available to us you know and to play at a different level, with crowds, then coming to Scotland possibly was the best best option, you know.
0: Yeah, um, did you did you know much about um, Scottish football and um, Saint Mirren at, at that time?
1: I did not know anything, no. sorry uh, <laughs> <laughs> The only thing I, knew, I remember, we we, fronted, we played two years before, we played up in Inverness. Wow. that was in april that was, that was in april and uh we came we came to scotland and it was raining and raining and yeah. raining and raining and i remember because in april in france the weather started to become nice you know mm-hmm. uh you have seen the sunshine now for a few weeks you know in france so we are gearing up for the summer and we came to scotland and uh, there was like the weather was just like rain 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 the pitch was were flooded uh <laughs> The maybe from the game, we trained, and that was, that was in Dingwall. The, the game was in Dingwall. It was wow. at stadium. So at the back, they had the pitches and it was loaded. And then on, on the nights, you know, we had tea, you know, <laughs> on the night, we had tea in a like, like, teapot at halftime, and we all came out after. We're like, why is that? <laughs> I remember. I remember, you know, at the time was a manager, you know, I said, guys, don't, don't dodge that, you know, we <laughs> <leave> that aside. <laughs> so, uh, but that's what, that's what we so, that's the only thing, that's the only memories I had of Scotland when I, when I first came back. It, it didn't put me off, obviously, uh, at the time, because I, uh, I, I wanted to come uh, yeah. and, and, and take the chance, you know. Yeah. Uh, how
0: did you find, how did you find, how did you find, uh, uh, dealing with the Scottish accent and things like that when, when you came, did it take you a while to to understand everyone?
1: Well, many people ask me this question, but the reality is, this is where I learned to speak English. So for me, it's just was well, normal. Yeah. You know? And that's only when when Mick came and performed Man United, and you say, "Oh, what about the accent?" say, "Oh, what about your accent?" No, and mm-hmm. Mick's wife, she already had uh, lived in the USA. Yeah. So she was very familiar with the English language, so she was always laughing about the accent here and maybe the words I always using, and she's like, "What is that? We you don't know." And <laughs> so, but for me, Scottish accent was just normal, you know. Uh, and, and then I think I'm, I'm very grateful I learned my English in Scotland because now I understand any type of uh, English accent.
0: Yeah. And great. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, am I right in thinking was it t- is it Tony Fitzpatrick that, that signed you, Ludo? But um, uh, was he was he the, the manager in charge at the time?
1: That's right. Tony was the manager, so that, that was yeah, that was great. So when I first arrived in Scotland, that was a Monday evening, and Stuart uh, Gilmore picked me up.
2: Yeah, He was See
1: the you know. chairman of at the time. Yeah. Yep, and he picked, he picked me up and uh, took me around Lost Streets. and that was the day before some men always have a friendly against Rangers yeah they used to have a friendly against Rangers all the time uh, in July so I arrived on on the 13th of July and and the next day so it took took me around Stuart took me around this club it was really quiet it was a lovely evening then I went to the hotel and then I come back uh, the next day and I I met Tony you know Uh, and and Tony was really friendly uh, fantastic man amazing man
0: yeah, he's a, really a legend. He's legend at St Mirren as well, of course. And um, the, uh, the, the the season nineteen ninety nine to, to two thousand is one that's um, uh, held in high regard for St Mirren fans, of course. When the team won promotion to the to the SBL, what was so good about the team that year, Ludo? Uh, the,
1: what was so good about the team is the majority of the team was young, yeah, enthusiastic local players. Uh, fantastic relationship with the fans because they were local players so the fans could relate to that team uh, and we created the unexpected. So we were all very, very friendly uh, with one another. That was possibly one of the best team I played with. Uh, yeah, possibly one of the best team I played with. It was absolutely an, an amazing team. I think that the, the friendliness of the team and the togetherness, togetherness of that, that team was what makes the strength of that team.
0: Yeah, Tom Hendry of course was, was in charge of, for, for that that season and beyond um, what was he like as a coach?
1: Tom Hendry was super organised so we went from we went from being with uh, Tony it was about the passion and the love of the club yeah. and it's, I learned about the love of the club with Tony Yeah. and before I move on to to, to Tom Hendry I think it's, it's only fair to talk about Tony because when I first came to the club and when Tony got the sack from the club, I saw grown up cry for the first time. I saw like grown up cry in dressing room, you know? And I saw Tony's passion, you know, through the six months before 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 he left, you know? And I realized what the club meant to people, you know? Mm. It meant a lot, you know? It like, it's a big club, it's a good, biggest story, played in Europe, won uh, Scottish Cup amazing. So so Tony passed us on to a group of players, you know, and every players, young players, older players, they were all looking up to Tony. And that was that was a big thing. And and it, when when Tom Henry arrived, there was an, an unknown name coming into this dressing room. And and what we did is as players we, we stuck together. So that was almost the players against Tom Henry and Tom Henry came with different ideas. It came, it was super organized it was all about tactics, right? So so he used to talk to us for ages, every every morning, about 45 minutes talking to us. It was a lecture, right? Tom and was a teacher, and everybody, (laughs) some of the players would laugh, some of the players of falling asleep in the morning (laughs) before we go on the pitch. But the thing is, is we knew what we were doing. And Tom and was like a competitor. A huge competitor. Yeah. You know, he, he quoted, he, he, as big a competitor as Tony was a competitor, it's just a different approach, you know. So so that means in, in training, if somebody was taking part in training, whoever was on Steam they were better winning. Mm. You know? Because the training we don't stop until this team wins. Right? So that was getting on and on and on and on in training, you know, because we had to win, but when we come up to the Friday, then we spend another, another forty five minutes in dressing room where we go to the joint board and we know Tactically, we knew what we were to do, and we went back onto the pitch, and it was tactic, tactic, tactic onto the pitch. You know, yeah. we were doing shadowing on the pitch. You know, and the the Friday sessions were lasting forever. You know, <laughs> and no matter what the weather was, it lasted forever. We were standing around. You know, tactic. But for some players, it was a shock. Yeah. But uh, for me coming up from France, you know, it was not that much of a shock because working on tactic, we we, we would do that not necessarily on a Friday, but we. we, we we we, work, we were working on that on a weekly basis you know yeah. and that was fantastic
0: yeah that was ma- really good yeah you mentioned there the, the the difference between France and Scotland in terms of, a lot of players when they come over here it's a culture shock to them in terms of how players prepare for games and um the diet and things like that did you notice that when you arrived at Saint Mirren a completely different way of approaching games and things like that
1: yeah it was very different um in Scotland there was no the pace of life is what's different yeah so uh, in scotland it's just like nine five you know so it's like people nine five at nine o'clock everybody's out at five o'clock everybody's come back in you know and in between it's just like hard work you no know? walk 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 you don't take a break to eat or anything like that france is totally different you know eight o'clock you maybe go to start walk, you know mm-hmm. then you have an hour after two hours break for lunch and then more at night uh you eat later at night time so you enjoy but you enjoy life a little bit more but possibly the climate was different yeah. Then, then the food, the food was preparation for the games in France is like very strict in that aspect. You know, in France, everybody meets before games, and you have lunch, your lunch or your, your dinner, depending what, what time the game is at. But you will you will be three hours before your game. It's what everybody eats together. So it's easier for the clubs to actually monitor you, you the players, so they know three hours before the game. Players have been asked to eat, and then they don't eat anything into the game. So time to digest, uh, to make sure players are walking and and moving. So for so in terms, in terms of professionalizers, it's a step up. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really is a step up in that aspect. You know, so. But again, in Scotland and, and in the UK, similar, it has changed because I was twenty years ago, but they treat you like adults, you know, you look after yourself and you have, but you have to perform going on a pitch, you know. Uh, So again, it's it's, it's different, you know, it's it's a different lifestyle, you know, when you take a European player, German, French, Italian, Mm -hmm. Spanish, where they're used to that dedication into the game, you know, the training, you you hardly have the off in front. It's like double session almost every day from a very young age. Mm-hmm. It's just Train, 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 train The day's longer But you're Train, train, train You come to Scotland You can rest more But when you come on the pitch This was This, this was sold me Scotland yeah. That football pitch When you come on the pitch This passion You know And that competitivity Is Absolutely amazing You know and, and this was This is what Took me to Scotland You know That passion For the game Yes, absolutely incredible. From the fans, from the players, from the boards, from from everyone, this this was absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah, uh, that's what I loved. Yeah, you mentioned you know, the other passion, of course, the Saint Mirren fans um, hold you in, in high regard, Ludo. Did you enjoy playing in front of them at, at Love Street and um, away as well?
1: I Absolutely loved it. Um, I, I loved it playing playing at Love Street. And that, again, that passion for the game, that yeah. wanting to win. Uh, Is great, and there was no differences between the fans and us players. And as I said earlier, the strength of that 99 2000 team was the fact that we are close to the fans, we are local. Fans could relate to us. Yeah. Uh, a lot of some of the fans from the North Bank, you know, they were friends of us. You know, so after the game, they would come and join us. Mm-hmm. And there was really there was no barriers. We were all together, uh, which was which was absolutely amazing. So when we come on the pitch, you know, we don't we did not want to let them down. You know, we felt like we are we we had a duty. You know, we are fight, we are playing fighting for them. You know, and so we 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 would celebrate together, we would cry together, we would be disappointed together, which was. Was amazing. So I, I always loved playing with, with, with the fans. You know,
0: yeah, and of course you played with some big um, characters, big players at St Mirren at the time. We had um, Junior Mendez on a few weeks ago. He w- he was great on on the podcast. But you also played with Alexa, um, Mark Yardley, of course, Barry Lavetti, Josie Quetongo was there for a the time as well. What were these guys like? Oh, I'd imagine it'd be a very um colourful dressing room at times.
1: Yeah, I mean there was different personalities. I mean there was groups. uh and that was the beauty of it. So that, that was uh, Steehan McGarry, Jackie yeah. Murray, uh, Ryan Robinson, Chris Kerr, yeah. uh, Jeff McGuire, when I first arrived, you know, so that that, that younger group, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then there was a group of the older ones, Noe uh mm-hmm. Ronnie McWhiter, which he was one of the big leaders, uh, big Ronnie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, <laughs> Mark Carly, Tom Brown. So that, that, that group of the older heads, you know, but they we, we were complementing one another, you know, uh, yeah. which was absolutely fantastic. And also, I think Junior, myself, we kind of uh, in, in between us, you know, so we were doing our own. We, all the things and we were floating between the two groups, you know. Uh, but there was what 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 a group and uh, fantastic. Barry Lavetti came and joined us. Uh, uh, Ricky Gervais, as another one, quite a character, was absolutely fantastic. Uh, smart guy. Uh, Smart, smart, yeah, smart, smart, smart guy, you know, street wise. Uh, Ricky was, was brilliant, you know, that so, you know, good. Different leaders, different stages of life and career at that time, different leaders, but, but fantastic, fantastic group. Uh, uh, Scott Walker was another one, yeah, really dedicated, very professional. Scott Walker, yeah, uh, borderline boring, but, but great. <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Yarley, like his We Gamble, Uh, Ronnie McQuarter, just, I mean, Ronnie McQuarter was absolutely superb. Uh, Ronnie took me under his wing when I first arrived with Junior Mendes. You know, the three of us, I mean, every lunchtime they used to take me into town having lunch, Princess Square, El Pavoni at the time, we used to have lunch there, and then Mm. they they helped me learn, uh, speak, and understand English. So you can imagine the the language was not always great, but uh, (laughs) uh, certainly it was fun. (laughs) <laughs> it, was, it was, it was many fun. Yes, it was. You know, so but no, no, fantastic, fantastic dressing. It really was. Uh, it really was uh,
0: just a bunch of friends. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did you and the players ever go out in um, into Paisley now and again for for a night out at all, uh, Ludo? Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, we used to go. Uh, I think there was, uh, I think Ferry Murray's in Paisley or yeah. Carnegie's I think it was at the yeah. time. Uh, McCluse, Club 30, you know, so all those <laughs> week, So we, we used to go because we are all local guys, we're well, many local guys. I used to stay in Paisley and we at the time. So, uh, uh, yeah, we used to to go. We were mainly led in Paisley by, uh, Stephen Magari, I would say, Stephen Magari, Chris Kerr, absolutely, the uh, leaders in Paisley, you know, uh, yeah. that was a so, lot, lot
0: of fun there, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Of course, you you were promoted into the, the SPL. You you you'd be relegated at that at that season, unfortunately. How did you find uh, the step up into the uh, the Scottish Premier League? How how was that season for you?
1: Uh, it it was challenging. Yeah. It was challenging because we were like little lambs, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: I would say so, simply because we needed experience, we needed leadership, and I think this is this is a. Uh, the club's been fantastic with that group of players, the 1990s 90, players, because he, they kept the same core of players, which, yeah. in some clubs, it's a bit more ruthless, and when you step up, they're bringing experience heads. And Sattmerlund didn't. So, mm. and we started when? We started decently, because I think uh, at Christmas time, we were ahead of Dundee United. Yeah. No, but what Dundee United did, they invested in Christmas time. Mm-hmm. You know, and when it was just a window open they invested and then they brought in all their heads you know and then their experience worked for them afterwards you know, uh, uh, to our detriment and that, that was a sad thing you know, that we failed to adapt to the Premier League I think you know, we failed to adapt to the Premier League and to the demand of the Premier League at the time which was disappointed in that aspect yeah but we tried we tried our best and, and but that, that, that was disappointed. I think we all suffered we all tried our best we suffered from that we suffered from the lack of experience.
0: yeah uh, and of course the next uh, few seasons at St Mirren the, the sort of um, struggle as well it's maybe a hangover from from being relegated I guess it was a, a difficult to pick yourselves up after that ra- relegation
1: it's always difficult because the expectation is greater so yeah. when you come down from the Premier League there's high expectations so yeah. then it becomes much much more difficult uh, every team's looking forward to see you uh, and to beat you uh, you, you, the team of reference, you know, and then in Scotland it goes very fast. If you, if you don't start very well in Scotland, then this, you know, this season becomes very difficult. You just need to look at particular Filsall this season. Yeah, you know, very difficult season for them, you know, and and this struggle. So, uh, yeah, no matter who you are in Scotland, and this is what I like. In Scotland, does not matter who you are. You come on the pitch, you have got to deliver. If you don't deliver, but then it's not going to be. a be, that type of respect, everybody control really hard against you, you know. And, and I think we, we, we were still on the low, you know. We, we needed something to boost us, you mm-hmm. know, at the time. But we never had that, you know. Uh, we never had that. And, you know, earlier we talked about the demand with our French team, with Jean Roulier and those players.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, this is what was lacking at that moment the time that demand. You know, we possibly needed, need we possibly needed more of a demand at that moment. Yeah, being a bit more ruthless, and, and and we would have been fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sometimes hard to to get out of that team's um just tumbling down d- down the leagues. I mean, you had a you had a spell at uh, St Johnston, of course, a loan spell. What, what, how did that move come about?
1: I, I always had had that uh, was a strange one. Yeah, you know, because I I always had a desire to to play at the highest level, and and one morning I just came in. And Tom manager said to me, put me in, and I'd lost to it, you know, and said, look, uh, St. Johnston, want to take your on loan. Do you want to go, you know? St. Johnston was on the Premier League, you know, and I thought that was another way of getting back there. Mm. Which Billy Stark was a manager there, excellent man player.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: he called me, uh, Billy Stark was another gentleman, but he really was, uh, I went there and had uh, a chat with him and decided to, to to take the chance, although it wasn't the best of circumstances. St Justin, where position they were in wasn't really the best. I think other men got injured and they needed a little more experience in goals. Uh, young uh, Kevin Corbett was
0: uh, at yeah, uh, the it. study at
1: the time. Yeah. Uh, which for, well, Kevin was a very, very, very good and very able goalkeeper. He was just younger. Uh, so, so, yes, I stepped in, you know, uh, I, I I went there, I was good. I played against Ips the very next day, I think it was, or two days later. I got beat 3-1, and then we played against Rangers midweek. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got beat 2-0, but I got I had, a, I had a very good game there. And apparently there was clubs coming to watch us the next game at home, because I think Rangers was a Wednesday. And our club looking after us, looking for us. Um, uh, came and see us play against Rangers, and stayed in Perth to see us against against the next game. Mozzarelli, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And but I broke my hand. Uh, unfortunately, I broke my hand on a Friday on Friday before that game uh, in training. Uh, broke my hand, which ended my season. So it was just a season to forget, basically. Yeah. Uh, and a trip to Central Stone to forget this is football. Yeah, comes with ups, comes with dance and that certainly was that season and that time was a done you know. I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, when the time eventually came, you you, you left Saint Mirren. You, you you joined Air United, of course. Were you were you sad to eventually leave Saint Mirren? Because you you had spent a, a good number of years there. You know,
1: the, the Saint Mirren is still the club of my heart. Yeah. You know, uh, because I, I had a great times at Saint Mirren. I love Saint Mirren. More importantly, I came in St. Merlin, I couldn't speak English. Uh, I came with two bags in 1998. <laughs> and I've been welcomed by all the fans. Uh, but I've been welcomed by St. of and the family. So, so the club of my heart, my children support St. and the family support St. Team, which is great. So at the time, Stuart Gilmore and the club had offered me a new contract. And, but despite that... Uh, I needed something. I needed. I needed a new challenge because I felt like my motivation was going down. Mm-hmm. I, I needed to be stimulated. Yeah. And I made my mind up and I told to Stewart. And it wasn't wasn't a happy time. I, I needed. I needed. Needed a new challenge. And uh, I had an agent at the time who, who was wanting was desperate to take me down in England. And I was willing to wait, but nothing was coming concrete. Mm -hmm. And my first daughter was due at the time. And that's when the move to Air United came because I was thinking, that's fine. I waited for one month, a month and a half. Team was starting back again. And the move to England didn't materialize the way we wanted to. So I said that enough was enough. And I moved to Air United with Campbell Money. And yeah. as an ex-Fantmellon goalkeeper, which I knew a lot about Campbell Money as a goalkeeper, as a player, uh, because I did read about a lot about him, watch videos about Campbell Money. And I thought Campbell was the person who could help my game and raise my game back up again, as opposed to the club, Air United, uh, because I didn't know much about Air United. Uh but I knew more about Campbell Money and Campbell Money sold that move to me
2: yeah
0: played against uh, St Mirren was that a bit weird lining up against your your, your former team Ludo?
1: it was strange and uh, I remember I remember we played a game against Falkirk and you know when Falkirk get the, got their new stadium
2: yeah
1: so one of my first games with Erin Cheat was league game was against Falkirk in the so not the new stadium but they were playing at Stena
2: Smoor
0: ah yes Okal View yeah
1: Oakville that's right. So we were sitting in Oakview, you know, and I was uh, looking at, well, one of the I was looking at the program, you know, and I was looking at the league table. I said, oh, we doing not too bad, you know. But I was looking at St. Miran as opposed to Air <laughs> United, you know. <laughs> 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 then I was like, oh, what am I doing here? So in my mind, I was still at St. Miran, And then, so, so it was strange. And then obviously we played, we came back to Love Street. Yeah. And I remember one one game playing in Lost Street. We lost three two with United, and and Sadmira score Ricky Gilles scored a free kick. So you can lose three two, but Ricky scoring against me and a free kick as well. And I was <laughs> like, I was so dev- I was devastated. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't help that the the North Bank started to sing my name. Yeah, and I was playing for And in the North Bank. Can to sing my name? I asked me to give send them give, give, give them a, a wave, and I did wave at them. <laughs> and I was, brilliant. but that was a poignant moment, um, and and that's when I uh, I knew my affection for the club. You know, I I was still living in Paisley at the time. Yeah, uh, coming home, uh, coming in dressing room, and I was I was furious. I was devastated. We had lost against St. Uh that was a very mixed emotion, uh, like the welcome I got from the Melon fans, but also the defeat and the manner of the defeat for, from us you know uh, I, I play a game I play the game I play the game and everything I'm doing I, I'm a competitor too I, I want to win I want to do the best that I could, you know and, and, and with everything you know, we're the young squad you know but I, I, I feel like but then I had more, more experience I feel like I was becoming that demanding players yeah you know and I wanted more you know and we and, and were really really coming down you know and I was like so angry you know uh Frustrated, angry uh, just a mix of emotion but I was well, coming back to Sa did to me you know uh, I wanted to win and Campbell money was within the same line as in terms of personality wanted to, wanting to win wanting the best you know being fair with the players because we're a young team you know uh, mm. but that, that expectation come on guys we, have, we need to go and win the game we have to do better we have to perform better no matter what we play you know
2: yeah yeah absolutely. that was that
1: was quite important to us so, yeah. so that was that was that was a big thing coming back to Southampton. You know, uh, I, I love that club. You know, there's no doubt. About it.
0: Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, a couple of years at Air United, and then you're back in the, the Premier League, of course, with them. Um, uh, the Livingston move that that came about, you must have been delighted to to, to get back into the um the top league.
1: Oh, absolutely delighted. You know, so um, that wasn't as a move. You know, led by you know you can see the St. Mirren, uh The big keep going back. You know, Noi yeah. McWriter uh assistant to to Paul Lambert. So yeah. I think they, they signed one day, the next day Paul Lambert was on the phone uh asking me to come to come and join them. You know, so I think I was Paul's first signing for, for Livingston.
2: Yeah.
1: That was great. I mean Livingston just had won the, the the league cup. That was good to go back in the Premier League and other opportunity That was that was really good. Uh ambitious club which was was great, good infrastructures. Paul Lambert's first manager yield.
0: yeah that was his um, first job yeah
1: job yep, yeah, that was his first job, so lots of excitement lots of uh, expectation was 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 quite was was great uh delighted done United at the time was keen also on, on me joining them but uh I went through the arts and going with with uh, with the excitement team mm-hmm. uh team, team player and 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 i went to Livingston, which was which was fantastic yeah
0: yeah, we uh, th- maybe dip- point you never played um, more for for Livingston. Or was that was that a case of maybe being injured some, somewhat for for a period of time?
1: Yeah, when I when I went to Livingston, I, I didn't when the I didn't go there as a the first choice. I was Roddy Mackenzie was playing was the first choice yeah. goalkeeper. Um, Roddy won the the league cup, so you have to to have that level yeah. of respect, you know. But yeah. but I liked it because, as I said earlier, you know I, I was becoming that, that demanding. Players, you know, uh, and, and and when I went there, then Roddy was a hard worker. We had Stevie Woods as a goalkeeper coach. Yeah, and Woodsy, they just need to look at where Woodsy is now. You know, at Celtic, Celtic and Scotland uh, yeah. goalkeeper coach, fantastic competitor. Woodsy is as well. You know, he wants to work really, really hard. He's very open-minded. You know, so so Roddy, Woodsy, myself, we just work really, really hard. Roddy and I were pushing ourselves as as hard as we could. So we can perform as, as well as we could. Yeah. So, and then I add a uh, double, double hernia repair, which set me up, set me back a little bit. Yeah. But again, same as when I broke my hand, it's part of the game. Then you go back in, you apply yourself again and you start again and then you, you keep, you play again. So I, I played some games. I didn't play it all the time, but that was a fierce and fair competition with Roddy. Roddy played, played well this season. Uh, that was a hard, this, hard for. Livingston, but but at least we knew that yeah there was no lack of experience. There was no regret We we really worked really really hard. We, it was just you know, well we nice we, you know, to perform, but yeah. But the club had invested well. The club had a lot of experience into the team. Uh, and Scottish football is is cruel sometimes. You know, you, if you don't start well, then it becomes a difficult season
0: yeah it certainly does um, you then joined um, Dundee you spent three seasons there up in uh, up at Dundee and you, you played under some uh, notable managers Alex Ray of course is, is quite a character in Jockey Scott what were these two guys like to, to play under Ludo?
1: Alex Ray was brilliant
0: yeah
1: seriously Alex Ray was absolutely fantastic and it's a difficult one to, to, to picture you know uh, most I think most people think about Alan. At the time, people remember Alec create the ex players, you know. Yeah. And they're thinking, oh, Alan create come with these troubles. Mm-hmm. And when I first came to the club, uh, I, I was away. Uh, I was away. I was still on the contract with Livingston. Uh, I was on holidays. I was in 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 um, in, in Cannes at the time, uh, enjoying the sunshine. Get a phone call from David Farrell asking me if I wanted to go to Dundee. I was thinking. I'm sitting here in the sunshine here. Do I want to go to Dundee? <laughs> I'm not too sure. <laughs> i not too sure. <laughs> so anyway, I, 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 I was no longer into that holiday. So I said, look, I'm going back next week. I have a chat when I come back. So I, when I come back, I, I I drove up to Dundee. and David woke, uh welcomed me in, in Dundee and uh, brought me into Alex's office. And I go to Alex's office and Alex comes with East of Scotland accent, East of of Glasgow, sorry, Uh, accent. uh, All right, my man, you know, and then he had a T-shirt, he had a T-shirt with a naked woman on, you know, and I was like, where where am I going here, you know, Uh, I wasn't really sure, you know. And uh, gosh, you know, talk about expectation, right, demanding players, you know, Alex was everything, right. He had had that, you know, and... uh, absolutely loved it. Yes. This. I played with some players, so some big players, right? Uh, by name, when I was younger, you know, but demanding players. I played with a few of them, you know, and uh, Alec Ray was one. Colin uh, Cameron was one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy Turner. Gosh, Tommy Turner was a big demand Demanding players, you know, but Anakry was was this, you know, it was a great picture. So on a pitch, so aggressive. Those guys are just so nice outside the pitch. Once you come on the pitch, they become a different personality. Aggressive about winning, competitors, you know. And Anakry, that was all about working hard, and and they you will put your arm around you after the game and out of the pitch, you know, fine, you know. But on a pitch, he, he, he was that, you know, the, the competitor, and that's what sold me at Dundee, you know. Uh, this, and then Alec uh, named me uh, club captain Yeah. Uh, in the second season you know, at Dundee, which was uh, always really grateful. So, so I changed a lot with Alec and I spoke to him again during, I speak, speak to him still randomly with Alec because it's great. And Alec put me, it was a difficult time for me at Dundee uh, in my personal life and, uh, and, and being on a pitch with like, for some reason, I'm more in it injuries, I never had done this so it was frustrating. Uh but Alec was really supportive and then and I opened my mind to, to many other things out with uh, football, which was which was really, really good. You know, it, it was really supportive. So I've got a lot of admiration for Alec Ray for what he has game and yeah. and for him as a manager. And sadly it didn't happened the way he wanted to as a manager so far but who knows, you know, next time he's got an opportunity things may may, may turn around the way he wants to and I hope, and I wish him
0: well in that aspect Yeah, to be made captain of of the team, Ludo obviously shows that he has a a great respect in you how how did that make you feel? were were you delighted to to be given that that extra responsibility?
1: Yeah, but I think the, the way I was made captain the reason why I was made captain is by leading by example Yeah it wasn't the fact that I was the greatest player in this room far from it it's not because I was the best communicator yeah. far from it but if anything I, I, everything I'm doing I, I'm going to go do it and I'm just going to try so it's about the dedication and, 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 and going and trying and doing extra so training and, and being available to people and being demanding you know yeah. and, and this is I think this is the reason why I put me club Captain not not to be shouting and boring you know it wasn't that the case it was more a case of being like Available to us, yeah. you know, and, and, and be receptive to other players' demand, most likely. But uh, being demanding on a pitch, you know, and be dedicated, you know, just we, we have to do a job, you know. And, and at a the time, don't be a at at some, uh, Yeah, big club, you know, big club. They want to be in the Premier League, and they should be in the Premier League. Yeah, both of those clubs, you know, should be competing and the, their fans and, and the fan base, you know, they want to see their club up there. They're demanding, you know. So, 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 the, the the big big club,
0: yeah. Yeah. Of course, after Dundee, you spend uh, some time at the likes of Queen of the South, Wraith and, and Partick. Then, then, ret- then you retire from the game. And w- were you ready to retire, Ludo? Did the cu- time come when you felt that it was time to to, to move away from the game?
1: Yeah, I was. Re- I was ready. Yeah. Uh, I Definitely, was ready. Mentally, I was ready. Um. As I would say, I went through a difficult time when I was in my personal life, you know, and so when I came to Kuna of the South, you know, that was, uh, I really went, went through that and then I had a terrible hip injury which required surgery and uh, took me almost six months out of the game. And, and uh, this really, um I, I came back and this transition life and full of life in football, when you see like things are done in football, then with that injury, allowed me to discover what, what was life out with football, Yeah. and I changed my lifestyle that year at Queen of the South.
2: Yeah,
1: and then I give it a go. I said, right, okay, I'm gonna go and try to play part time. So after Queen Saf I went and play for Conan Beef with uh, Colonel Cameron. He called me and said, Look, if you want to come and play? I said, well, let's try to go part time, and. And I, w- I went there, you know, and an uh, eye opener. That really was an yeah. eye opener. I, I, I saw some guys working as uh, electrician or, 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 or builders or so on, and they came and, and they were the demanding one. Mm. Okay, For, football became more of a, of a leisure game. For me, again, going back to couldn't I was trying to adapt, my life was in transition. And I saw those younger players and you know, it like hungry for the game, you know? Yeah. And I thought I thought that wasn't fair. That I, I shouldn't stop. Because I could not give hundred percent of myself. And and so mentally, yeah, so I was not as as able to, to give as much as as I as I was I was doing before. So I, that's when I knew I knew I had to stop.
0: Yeah. And
1: so I was I I was really yeah. comfortable with it.
0: Yeah, uh, before we look into what, what you're doing just now, of course, Ludo, uh, we've, we've had goalkeepers on the podcast before and many of them have a little bit of superstitions and things like that before before they go out f- for games. Um, Were you one that, that had uh, that was quite superstitious at all?
1: Oh, I was full of superstition when I started. Yeah. When I started, I was full of superstition. And I, I was very, very regimented from... from uh, from possibly the Wednesday before the, before, before the game you know so two or three days before the game you know I, I would have a certain routines, the way I eat mm-hmm. the way I sleep you know the way I, I train and I exercise you know just before the lead up to the game that was just it was taking my life over fully you know yeah. it was incredible so it was it was not it was not healthy it wasn't healthy at all you know and it's only coming to the end of my career which I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah.
1: You wow. know, see, when I came to Queen of the South, when I changed my last time. And it actually started at Dundee. my I started at Dundee uh, with Alex Free, and Alex introduced, uh, brought up psychologist. Yeah. Uh, he's never come back to me. We work with him, you know, and he made me realize that actually superstition, and he said, look, as an example, Goalkeepers, or players, they've got that, we So if you forget one day your shin pad to go mm-hmm. play the game, some players will be distressed. You know? They'll be like, oh, yeah, oh, I, I won't be able to perform things. You know? And I say, I say, let's think about it, right? If you forget your shin pad and you play with other shin pad, is that going to change the way you're going to be playing? Yeah. It shouldn't. Because actually you've done the work before. You know? So you've done all the work, all the work during the week, you know? And one week going to make you deliver on a Saturday. It's a hard work here. I've been doing the, during the week. I'm not really bad. Yeah. i just my you know? And then I was like, that's stuck with me. And I was like, that's right, mate. And then I started to relax. You know, I started to relax and, and more and more and more. And then, and then uh, although I couldn't be, uh, mentally I was ready to stop. I enjoyed my game. I enjoyed going into my games, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I really enjoyed, I, I was far more relaxed going into my games. And this is what I played the best. Yeah. because I, I, was, I was relaxed I really it really was relaxed I was focused but I was relaxed you know um, just it just wasn't a single fight really so so superstition is a big thing but for any young players listening to this podcast I would say like let's try to put superstition aside and just focus and remembering the good thing you're doing in the week and that's what's going to carry you through the the,
2: yeah.
1: the game on Saturday
0: yeah absolutely um so, you, so you, but once you retired, then you went into the sort. Of, you went into the personal fitness and um, setting up your own personal fitness company. Ludo. was that something that you, that you were thinking about whilst you you were playing, or was it one of those sort of light bulb moments that just came to you one day and you decided to pursue a career in it?
1: No, what happened with that is uh, in in when I was playing for Livingston, I, I've got kind of a busy personality in that aspect. I don't like to see them doing nothing. Yeah. Or, um, so, when I was playing for Livingston, that was an opportunity to take a, a personal training course. So, I just took it, you know, I took it busy. Uh, so, I just took it while I was playing, and I know I had a big vision about with that, you know. And I just took it, and then I did it. And I think it was when I played for, I was playing for Dundee at the other time. And just one, one guy asked me to, uh, one business guy, I, 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 I met through a, a function. I said to me, I heard that, that qualification. Say, said, can you train me, you know, just as a relax, you know. Yeah. And I went and I did training. I started to do that. And I said, like, oh, I quite enjoyed it, you know. So when I was a queen of the South, I was in my last lifestyle transition. I then say, I don't want to be going to training, come home, do nothing. I was like, okay, I went to David Lloyd. I said, Are you looking for, for coaches? And I, I went there, no CV, nothing. I just went there and took my car, my wee boy, at the time he was one year old, took him in my shoulder. And then uh, I went there to reception, asked if they had any jobs, part time jobs, you know? Mm-hmm. And they gave me a job on the spot, basically. Wow. <laughs> so I was still playing, I could of the staff full time. And in the evening, after, some afternoon and, and evenings, I would go and work at the as as a personal trainer. And I just wanted to see, it was just fun. It was just fun, just to see what it was like, you know? And then that fun ended up being actually saving grace because I moved to Beef and then I saw Beef that I started to stop. So, but I already had something in place. Mm -hmm. And at the time I I was one year into working at David Lloyd as a part-time and I started to develop an interesting client base. And then I was thinking this becomes quite interesting uh high-end earners high-end professionals and I, I love people so I'm very interested in the way they, they're living and, and why they're making their life choices and how they become successful in business and uh, I, I'm quite curious yeah. so from that I decided to step up my business ideas you know and that's how it started basically uh, far from just having a bit of fun and yeah. and trying to find out what, what
0: it was like. Yeah, fantastic. So you've got there that Ludo's uh, Primal Wellness as your company at the moment. How is that going for you? And, uh, I guess it's a bit different from uh, from the playing days that you're your, your, your own boss.
1: Yeah, it's different. But I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it, simply because Ludo's Primal Wellness came on the back of working for David Lloyd and having an interesting kind of So that kind of at the time was possibly 70% of medics and my vision of well-being was totally different than the conventional way, ways of. so, but I mean, although I was working in the gym, I don't really like being in the gym because I figured, well, okay, David, there's no windows, yeah. okay, there's no air, there's just train men, people they have their earphones on, they don't communicate with one another. Yeah. I'm used to playing football, being outdoors, you know? So the way I've been healthy is by being outdoors and playing and engaging and being team player thinking hey, there's no align with my values as a human being and working with the doctors and and trying to talk about my philosophy and my vision of well-being you know I realized that actually uh, there was a lot of scientific evidence you know that being outside is far more beneficial than being inside you know yeah. uh, for, the, for the human uh, well-being you know so we just found what has came on the back of that. So I opened my own studio, my first studio in, in Kilbarkand. Mm-hmm. So keep it on one-to-one, and it's all based about natural movement. So just by encouraging people to move naturally, to relearn, to move properly, because a lot of people suffer from chronic pain,
2: yeah. okay,
1: back pain, joints pain, knees pain, ankles pain, you know, there's a lot of pain. And this got to affect your mental well-being because by the time you're thirty years old, you've got all in your thirties, you've got all those pens and you feel like this is what life is all about, yeah, I work really hard, I've got a mortgage, I got married, but I carry all those pens I've carried all those bills, you know, and people feel depressed, you know because they forget they've got to engage with other people they forget they've got to be outside you know so so religious time ways go beyond personal training religious mm-hmm. problem wellness is so bad it's about wellness, it's about lifestyle, it's about regaining but of physical and emotional strength, you know, and, and values, and that's, that's, that's the most important part of it. So, so it worked very very, very well for us, and we're expanding that from individuals to businesses. Yeah. Because now, uh, you know, at the beginning of a chat, we talk about the way Scotland used to be: nine five, go 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 go. You know, mm. and people get burned out. You know, uh, and we want to fit in a little bit of space between the Google goals, you know, between each goal, if you can fit a little bit of space to breathe, yeah. you know, and to communicate with others, then we feel an awful lot better, you know, we feel better about ourselves. And I think it's well documented about the mental health issues we're we experiencing in the United Kingdom, you know, but I think it's, it's, it's across the most uh, first world country, uh, the issue of mental health, and I think there's lots to be done, uh, it's great evolution is absolutely fantastic, but the human values should prime, and that's why primal came about. You know, uh, we gain, we're gaining our values.
0: Yeah, uh, of yeah. course. I mean, even now's more so than than any time else. I guess the, the importance of uh, uh, of moving and and getting outside and things like that, little with the, the coronavirus uh, for, for people out there. How, how how important is it that they don't just just stick themselves away indoors, and they actually get up and and get outside and and do their exercise.
1: It's hugely be important because within the, this pandemic, you know, we we stuck it at home. Uh, some people got lucky because the garden. Some people are stuck in flats, you know. Yeah. So all different circumstances. So wherever you, you wherever you are, it's just repetition, constant repetition, and and people start to feel a bit low about that because if they don't eat well don't move enough you know so that's going to make you feel worse about yourself so it's very important that food become important not to go into any kind of strict diets or anything like that but it's important to feed your brain and to feed your body
2: yeah.
1: with good nutritional foods you know and that's going to make you feel better make your body function very well and stabilize your homeostasis and this is important for your mental well-being and then movement obviously you want to release a lot of endorphin. initially that's how that's what movement is going to give you okay it's going to release endorphins that's a feel good hormones and and the more you move the more you're going to release endorphins the better you're going to start to feel about yourself you know and then the better decision you're going to start to make about whether you eat about who you're engaging with, with while you're watching while you are doing the lockdown so you keep your mind healthy mm-hmm. and you keep positive and you start to read more you know, uh, as opposed to watch TV, you may read a book. You may start to engage with the family. You may start to call a friend. Somebody who's you know something not feel that well. You know, so yeah. you call them. And there's a lot of things. So movement is important. Movement. We born to move. Yeah. So movement is the essence of life. No, no movement, no life. Okay. And so if you can move, then you start to feel better. And then you start to engage better with other people, and this is why I would try to pass on to people. You know, so movement is the essence of life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wise words indeed. And of course, um, it's great having you on the podcast, Ludo. But you have your own podcast, of course. What, what, what's that all about, and how how can people go and, and go and find that?
1: Yeah. So the, the podcast is it has been good. So uh, that as one of the benefits of the lockdown, uh, that came on the back of what we talked about in terms of what people struggling during the lockdown and people don't know what to do there's so many things online so so many classes and so many advice online so the podcast came about said okay I'm working with all those professionals whether it's medics or ex-athletes or business entrepreneurs nutritionists so I'm gonna I'm putting all those people together and I want to give the best advice to people out there and I said okay I don't have all the answers but let's hear it from the experts in each field. So I try to get medics and So we talk about chronic pain, chronic pain during lockdown, uh, and with a physiotherapist, we talked about uh, if you have injuries during lockdown, how you you overcome those injuries, and where to find uh, to find videos or to find uh, good materials to actually help. Your, your injuries, if you can access a physio. We brought nutritionists, talk about food, how to eat to for mental well-being during the lockdown, which was a fantastic podcast. We talk about a bit of fun and entertainment and mm-hmm. business uh, advice from a uh, friend Nick Sylvester. And you know, came on and we had, a, we had a great podcast with himself. So so the podcast is really about, about well-being but from different angles. You know, it's, it's, we're all like-minded professionals who wants to help people feel, feel better uh, during the lockdown and and beyond. So I think we're gonna expand that that podcast. So that podcast is just nice on on Instagram, yeah, at Ludos Primal Awareness and Facebook, Ludos Primal Awareness. So that's where you can find the the podcast. And we're working on the on on setting up a, a web page onto our website. We have a website, Ludos dot com. We're working onto a webpage page. Um, to add a page to that where all the materials come to be on so that should be available within the next two weeks
0: fantastic excellent stuff and um, I was going to have, finally Ludo I was just going to ask I mean you've been in Scotland now for for, for many years so I guess it's a a place you call your um, your second home your future plans do you plan on, on living here for, for a while yet
1: yeah I don't I don't plan on going anywhere uh, I love it I've got my children here I've got four children here
0: yeah
2: so
1: uh, they, they, they're going to they love the, the, the Scotland, they're Scottish. Uh, I, I love Scotland, I love nature. And that, uh, I build up a, a business around my beliefs yeah. and around my surroundings. And Scotland for me is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Uh, forget about the weather, I mean, <laughs> Loch yeah. Lomond. Uh, I, I love moving, I, I love nature, I love being in the water, uh, I love swimming. And, and one of the biggest things I miss in the lockdown is, is getting out and swimming and going in, swimming in Loch Lomond. It's absolutely incredible. I Absolutely love it, and I can't wait to get back into it. So, so if I was to leave Scotland, I would miss that greatly. Yeah. So, uh, so Scotland uh, is my home now. It's not my second home. It's my home.
0: Yeah. Well, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on, uh, Ludo. I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, hearing your your story in the game of, of course, what what you're up to now. Thank you very much for for coming on. No, thanks, Derek. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. That was episode 52 of the Talking Fitball Podcast with Ludovic Roy. Remember, if you want to listen to any previous episodes, you can catch them all on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Podbean. And make sure to subscribe to the recently launched website, talkingfitball.co.uk, where you can keep up to date with all that's going on. Plus, there's a host of great articles on there as well. We're also on Twitter. You can follow us at talking underscore and we're on Facebook also. I hope you can join me again next time, and I'll be chatting to Scottish Broadcasting Royalty. But until then, thanks for listening, and bye for now.